Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Stephen. Hello. How's it going today, sir? It's uh, pretty good. How are you ready? I'm very excited about the episode today. Yeah, I was just about to say, are you ready for an exciting deep dive? Very excited. So today... It's like a double deep dive. Yeah, actually, you're right. It's a double deep dive. We are doing a double deep dive of Belgian wit beer and Allagash the brewery. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. Allagash has been very widely recognized as the greatest wit beer creator so yeah they kind of go hand in hand in my research they kind of went hand in hand as well so perfect double topic um but before we get to any of that exciting stuff we have to do our favorite part of the podcast which is drinking beer so the Mm -hmm. way this works is uh, i introduce my beer give some nose notes steven does the same and then we cheers and do tasting notes so uh i was worried i would be unprepared for this episode but i opened my beer fridge and i (laughs) i had a wit beer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just lucky yeah just like a random whip beer i was like oh wow i'm so i'm such a, a beer connoisseur no it's it was total random happenstance but this i have um port city from alexandria virginia their optimal wit contrast that with me i like went to total wine today and the grocery store to like to gather three whip beers <laughs> oh you're very prepared that's... I was like, I know I can find a bunch of those. So. Oh, I'm excited for your uh, three-way tasting. I only have one, so. But yeah, it's it's Belgian-style wit beer brewed with spices. So we are going to open this bad boy. So, oh, it's very clear. I was expecting it to be a little hazy, I think. The characteristic of a wit beer is usually that it's very pale, like yeah. it's white beer, right? That's, that's kind of what the name means. And then that sometimes it's a bit hazy, but this is quite clear, but it is very, very, very pale. It's got like a tinge of yellow in it. Not super active head, but it is kind of a gathering around the edges there. Oh, it smells bitter, bitter orange, coriander, and then like a yeah, yeasty note. This is kind of an easy one to do nose notes because those are like the four things. Yeah, for sure. What beers smell like? But I will, I will give it. So far, it's doing good. It's what you would expect. It's got all the things. It's got all the things. It's just not hazy though. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why. I bet they clarify it or something to make it more marketable. Or yeah. All right, I'll hand it over to you. Your three. Sorry, I got a lot to go here. Okay, so the first one is called Blanche de Bruxelles. It is from Belgium. The brewery is uh, Brasserie Le Feve from Belgium. So this is kind of the true, out of my three, this is should be really true Belgian wit, although it's not that popular of a style, actually, in Belgium. But yeah, so this is the Brussels white. That's what that translates to. Okay. You're brave with all those foreign words. 
Brasserie de This is the that translates to the February brewery, I think. Cool. Okay. And then my second one is called Island Rascal from Avery Brewing. So Avery Brewing is a pretty well widely recognized, like like as a a very good iteration of the style. Their classic is called White Rascal. They also have a Little Rascal, which is a session version. And then this is Island Rascal, which is their Belgian style wit with passion fruit added. Oh, that's interesting. So that should be a nice little um, variation. And then the third one is called uh, Zon. Z-O-N. It's from Boulevard Brewing in there in Missouri. Yeah, Kansas City. This is just a straight Belgian wit beer. All three super similar. Well, that one is like pouring all over my floor. That's nice. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with the can. This is not pouring directly out. Okay. So all three are pretty similar. The Zon from Boulevard is much lighter. So it's the palest of all three. Oh, yeah. All hazy, though. So, yeah, one's a little, yeah. It's by far, it looks almost like, kind of like hazy pear juice. And the other two, a little bit darker. But actually, as I hold them up, like, they're all pretty light. They all have a nice haze, a little bit of a retaining head on them. That's going to be from the wheat. So, all right. So, first off, we're going to do the Blanche de Bruxelles, the Brussels white. Okay. So on the nose, again, nice orange, and that just that spicy, yeasty kind of cloves. Nothing too strong there or out of character. Ooh, the Island Rascal smells amazing. I like that passion fruit addition. That's really good. Like, it really, oh, like, complements that clove and coriander spice. Yeah, I was just imagining the, the, the passion fruit flavor seems like it would go really well. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah, it actually rates higher on Beer Advocate than the White Rascal. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and then the Zahn from Boulevard. It only has like an 81 on Beer Advocate, by the way, this Boulevard beer. It's more spice dominant, so you really get a lot of the cloves. But you, but the orange is not very strong. So that this one's leaning more towards that, like almost banana and clove flavor, like a Hefeweizen. So. All right. All right. Well, triple cheers to you, sir. Okay, thank you. Cheers to you. <laughs> okay, this is not bad. It only has a 85 on Beer Advocate, but I found that the taste is kind of like bready malt crackers, you know, uh, on the entrance. And then you get like sweet banana. It's kind of surprising, I, 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 but I like it. And then coriander, orange peel, a little clove in the aftertaste. The, the taste, I think, is great. I think the mouthfeel is kind of thin. And then it seems a little flat. I don't, I don't actually don't know like how carbonated these are supposed to be. I know historically some of them were bottle conditioned and stuff like that, but I just, this one feels a little undercarbonated. So I think the flavors are good, but the kind of the carbonation level and the thinness of it kind of brings it down a little bit, but it's very refreshing. I will say that, but that's kind of just a testament to the style. (laughs) I think the style itself is extremely refreshing. Yeah. Uh, Thumb sideways, I would say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think um, it's not bad, but I wouldn't choose this one if I was going to drink another Belgian gotcha. okay. uh, wit beer. How was cool. your trio? Okay, so starting with the uh, the Brussels White from Belgium, it's really good. It It's thin-bodied too, but like the carbonation is good. It's sweeter. It's the sweetest of the three. 
a real nice sweet orange and the spice is very subdued in this one i i, I like it that's it would be an easy drinker for sure and it's enjoyable i'll do zon next the boulevard one that one is the worst it is like yours thin and undercarbonated it's too spicy and the orange is almost imperceivable i just I don't know. It's almost like getting into like a weird Saison territory for me where it just tastes funky and there's nothing really good that I like about it. It's too spicy. So I think or and that's one of the things like uh, I was reading about that wit beers become kind of a entryway for a lot of people into craft beer because like Blue Moon and it's just like an easy style easy drinking style so anyway they were like if you like wit beers like maybe move into these styles and saison was one of them so i can see how i can kind of like move you towards that direction gotcha but yeah i can i this one i feel and boulevard does a lot of saisons mm. i think they have like their farmhouse sales are are very well perceived and and well done so i, I think maybe they're going that pushing that direction just a little bit too much it's just i don't know it's kind of it's just too spicy for me and then my favorite is this island rascal it's awesome nice like, i totally get why avery has uh, won so many awards for their wet beer it's really it's like perfect this is per- really really good balance of the fruitiness and the and the spiciness the passion fruit is just an awesome compliment to the orange without like it doesn't make it sweet it just kind of adds a little bit of like a tropical layer to it but it's still really nice and dry so i think they did a good job like whatever yeast they use is probably like a high attenuating yeast i think it it really finishes perfectly dry it's just good like i'm picking more of this up i'm gonna get a six pack of this at least and just have it as my grab and go beer because it really is really good like easy to drink and enjoyable so it sounds good and it's actually the 16th highest rated uh yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with beer on beer advocate which is pretty dang good so it's very so, popular and that's off 1100 reviews i want to get my hands on one of these it sounds really cool yeah i think you probably can i think i've seen avery about they're in colorado yeah this is the can you'll see oh oh yes that a avery a i've seen that i can probably get my hands on that if i go to total wine i'll keep an eye out for it yeah it's yummy nice so is that that one you're definitely giving a thumbs up the other two i really i do like the brussels white oh okay it's yeah the zon though from boulevard is terrible Okay, so two thumbs up and a thumbs down. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that was our drinking beer segment. And next we have postscripts and beer news. Postscripts is when we fix mistakes in previous episodes and or sometimes we come back to things from previous episodes. And then beer news is self-explanatory. So we have exciting and interesting beer news this week that ties into some of beer news that we reported on either one or two episodes ago, I think. Yeah, we kind of talked about modern times a little bit for a few episodes they were like looking for well they were closing tap rooms and they were all of a sudden looking for a buyer and then all of a sudden the court was like forcing a purchase (laughs) so so anyway they were actively looking for a buyer and uh looks like maui brewing out of hawaii will be purchasing modern times yeah that's super interesting i'm trying to think if uh I'm looking at Maui Brewing and trying to think if I've had some of their beers before. I don't think so. Yeah, their co- you know have you have you had their coconut porter? Okay. Yeah, I think I have had that one. Huh, very good. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad they got purchased. 
because it was pretty sad to hear. I don't know. I just, especially over here in California, you hear a lot about modern times and it's kind of all over the place and they make some really amazing beers that we've had at some festivals. So I'm glad they're going to live on and they're getting bought by Hopefully they'll preserve kind of what they're making. And I know some of the complaint against Modern Times was people felt like the quality might have been going down a little bit or hopefully they can rectify those problems. Save that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, yeah and cool. that doesn't sound like they're going to mess with it too much. So Yeah, I think people have the, learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that lesson was learned. <laughs> was it a billion dollars? Or Schlitz? Oh, Schlitz taught us that lesson. <laughs> But I think also uh, a lesson was learned of, hey, if you're going to buy a craft brewery, don't mess with it too much when a um, it was a billion dollar purchase of oh, Ballast Point. Ballast Point. Yeah. 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 And then sure. they got in the kitchen and you don't want investors in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, this is a craft brewery buying another craft brewery. So it's not like a big conglomerate coming in. Yeah so all right cool we'll keep our eyes on that and see how that developed apparently maui's had a really good year so far like they're they're doing really good so like this is uh, not a difficult buy for them this is, they were well positioned for this so anyway okay perfect maui, maui brewing killing it uh yeah th- we do have a postscript okay good we talked about becoming cicerone last week and one of the things that i didn't fully like get good information on was how many cicerones there are uh, i did do a little bit of research it's still like sometimes the numbers are i don't know it's just hard to like get accurate or like super recent numbers but it looks like there's not more than like maybe 20 master cicerones in the world wow and no one has ever passed it on the master cicerone test on the first try insane and that's the one you got to fly out to chicago once a year yeah all right so no one has passed it on the first try you gotta be the first Master Cicerone to pass it on the first try. It sounds like a Star Wars thing. They're like, well, we recognize you on the council, but we do not give you the rank of Master. You have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the test, in that t- two-day test, there's a guy named Randy Mosher. He's written, like, multiple books on brewing, and any any passionate home brewer has probably read a book from that Randy Mosher. He is there grilling you. I almost obviously it's so like such a lofty goal, but man, it's almost cool just to go do the test and get to interact with those people. And just be like, I'm terrible. Just get roasted. Uh, that's great. That's awesome. Um, All right, but yeah, so very few, very few. Okay, and and like you said, there are probably people taking these tests, this test every year in Chicago, uh, but not passing it. So. That's nuts. So are you, are you it's still going to... not gonna... necessarily even every year they're going to add any. True. Yeah, they might. No one passes it that year. It stays at 20. Do you think you're... What, how, is your, how are your aspirations for level two? They're good. Like, I, I do... I think I am going to do it eventually. Yeah. All right. Let's, I think we should do it together. I'll start studying. Let's target, like... Let's give ourselves, like, two years, though. Yeah, we're going to need some time. Yeah. No rush, but... <laughs> it would be really cool if we got... If we both got our level two. Yeah, that would be cool. Have you ever heard of a, a master baker? No. Like a certified like master pastry chef? Yeah, there's only apparently like 11 of those in the world. Oh my goodness. And um, you know, you have that Timothy's Bakery downtown. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, they like Timothy is one of them. He's one of the master bakers. 
So I have one of the only master bakers very close to me. Yeah. Huh. That's amazing. It's Timothy's uh, Bakery in Woodland. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it right now online. That is nuts. It looks like he makes um, wedding cakes and stuff. Yeah. All right, I'll look into that so, more. Even more exclusive than the Master Cicerone. And one lives right in my hometown. Incredible. <laughs> Small world. All right, I'm going to look at this later. Apparently, he makes extremely good champagne cake. I have to take advantage of the, his expertise. All right, are you ready to jump into the main topic? I am. So I think we'll start, I'm going to tackle the history, and then I think you're going to tackle Allagash. So I'll start us, but I want to prep you, Stephen. Okay. There is going to be four elements present in this story that they're a reoccurring theme in all of our deep dives. Okay. So I'm going to... Four elements to the history of the belgian wit beer is that what you're saying well these four elements are common across all of our deep dives do you think you can guess all four of them <laughs> probably prohibition <laughs> oh i actually didn't count that one but oh. it should probably oh, go on okay. the list maybe i'll add maybe there's five <laughs> i'll add prohibition okay do you want to guess some other ones uh, geographically, uh, I don't know, is there like a geographical component to it? I did not put that on the list. Oh my gosh. Did it burn down? Yes. Fire is on oh. the list. Oh, fire. Okay. That's cool. Fire. A style being saved by like one person. <laughs> I wrote style is carried or revived by a single <laughs> individual. Yes, that's going to be present in today's story. <laughs> All right. And then what? the other two are war. Okay. And tax evasion. <laughs> ah, yes, the tax, the loop, the tax loopholes. That's right. Yeah, so I think we should add prohibition because that I think affects almost every beer style. But I think yeah. I am willing to. Ar- prohibition, like probably mix that in with the war. Is that? Yeah, war prohibition, and then maybe we do one for geographical. But I, I think if we went back and visited all of our deep dives, and I think based on the pattern we've seen. All of our future deep dives will have war, prohibition, fire, tax evasion, and the style being carried on or revived by a single individual <laughs> in every single one. <laughs> so, yeah. Like yeah. So to start the story, I'm going to start right in the middle, but uh, Whitbeer did almost die. So in 1957, I think it's called Thompson, the last of the Whitbeer breweries shut down. And then it was basically not being brewed again until 1966. There's an individual, Pierre Sellis, who was a milkman in the uh, the interterm period, but he had worked at Thompson and he decided, you know what? I'm going to revive the style in 1966. So pretty crazy that it was, if he didn't yeah. decide to do uh- that, <laughs> it might not exist. Yeah, it's an Austin, Texas brewery, Sellis. Oh yeah, we're gonna get there. Yeah, he he he's down the street. He eventually moves to your your home state, but not yet. First, he's gonna start in. Uh, uh, oh okay. Yeah, oh, I didn't realize he didn't start in Austin. Oh, he does. I don't think he does. Um, oh, okay. So to travel a little bit back, wit beer is also known as white beer, and it gets that name because there's the use of unmalted wheat, and then also barley and oats and that gives it a hazy white color and then it is spiced now historically it wasn't always used but corianders used modernly 
and citrus and other spices. So it's kind of interesting the transition from the historical style to the modern style actually saw a change in the way it's manufactured. And some of those spice additions were actually to like mimic some of the things that were lost, which is crazy. Because the old style, they all used cool ships. Because it was just the Belgian style. A lot of the Belgian styles, they, they just used cool ships, which are those big, basically high surface area tanks that you get wild yeast and bacteria for fermentation. So not, it's funny that it's not popular anymore, really. But like, I mean, um, some of the craft breweries have it. Like uh, Russian River has their giant cool ship, which is really awesome. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of got displaced by just adding yeast. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So they used to use that wild spontaneous fermentation and then they don't really do that anymore. And then it kind of varied in Hogarden. That's kind of considered like the birthplace of wheat beer. They would actually use a mixture of spontaneously fermented and boiled wort. That was just kind of the style they used. But they, but yeah, they didn't really add yeast, which is interesting. So the flavor was a bit different. You would get, because basically what they're doing is they also made lambics this way, but they would age them. But wit beer was always served like fresh. Like that was part of the thing is like you drink it fresh. And so it kind of got referred to as a green lambic. So it's like a lambic sans aging. So they're not really giving them. Yeah. So they're not really giving the microorganisms time to like do the full work like that they would in a um, lambic. But it still gives it like a some lactic tartness, which I thought was super interesting. So uh, so this is like the point yeah. right well, here. Well, sometimes when I think of like a, like when I think of a wit beer, it almost is like a not sour goza to me. Like I think it's a style that if you just soured the beer, it would like just um, immediately just be a perfect sour beer. Like it's good, <laughs> not sour. Like it's perfect. Like it's, you know, I like the wit beer style, not sour. But if you just soured that beer, it'd be like, also really good <laughs> well it's funny you say that because the i was reading i got a lot of this data from my one of my favorite books is it's the beer bible but the um at this point in the story that i was reading i was kind of speculating like i wonder what it would be like if you got like russian river to do a whip beer in their cool ship and they let it naturally ferment and it was like sour i think that would be so mm-hmm. amazing and then at the end of his entry on the topic he also speculated that we might see and maybe there's one that exists but i haven't heard of it but we might see maybe there will be a craft brewery that would do a natural spontaneous version of a whip beer and let it be sour which would be awesome okay so now i want to get back to pierre a living legend and hero who individually strapped the whip beer style onto his back and carried it into the future <laughs> so in the mid 1960s he starts a brewery called Ho Garden and he is not in the US at this point so i believe he is Ho- i believe he's in the town of Ho Garden and then this is where he also modernizes the ferment the um style by instead of using cool ships he just decides you know what we're not going to deal with all that we're just going to add yeast and then for christmas and uh, for the cuz you kind of lose the tang the little bit of lactic tang and some of the crispness he adds bitter oranges and coriander and then he also bottle conditions it so it's kind of like a little bit of a hack like they changed the he changed the way it was made 
to make it, I think, easier to produce. But then he still wanted it to kind of taste like how it used to taste. And then what's interesting gotcha. is that, okay. yeah, it's crazy, right? So in the 1970s, he then changes the name to, I'm going to not pronounce this right, but Decluse. And this is like a common marketing ploy in Belgium at the time. And it's funny because it relates back to one of our other deep dives where we talked about the Abbey style. So we have to we have to put a little mark of shame on Pierre because he's trying to associate his brand his brand with the monastery to make it more popular, despite the fact that it has no ties to monks. <laughs> and this is a why you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, he does, and it's wildly successful. It like massively increases his popularity of the beer. But yeah, then, yeah, so it does work. That's why people were doing it. But then a fire guts the brewery. So oh, there's the fire. <laughs> yep, there's the fire. So now we've had almost everything. <laughs> I guess I didn't mention the part of the reason the style died was because of World War One and Two. So there's your war. So the only thing I think we have left is tax evasion, which we're going to get to. So he actually is... I mean, we, we can basically say that every style basically died well, in America for sure with the world wars and they were just drinking. The only thing that came out on the other side of that was crappy. Yeah, American I guess that's lagers. true. Yeah, so that's kind of guaranteed to happen. So. Yeah, I don't know why that was... Why did that happen? Just Americans forgot to forgot what good beer tasted like. <laughs> I guess... <laughs> I do. We should maybe postscript this, but I think I do think there was kind of like in like the fifties and sixties there was kind of like an obsession with like modern marvels and like TV dinners and stuff like that. And I wonder if there was like a mm, if yeah, that had something to do with like I don't know. This sort is of a blandness. Yeah, it was. It was like marked by its blandness, but it was everyone was like excited about new, the new and the wonderful. So maybe that's something we could research. Mm, um, yeah. Okay, so he his brewery burns down and then he's like you know what i'm gonna i kind of don't want to restart this whole thing so he sells a majority share to stella artois which you should be familiar with yeah they have a very popular beer by that name stella and now they will go on to be acquired by anheuser-busch inbev and who actually also produces hogarden which is a reference back to the town of hogarden Uh, okay so not only does he kind of keep it alive but he gets anheuser-busch to start making it uh unfortunately (laughs) it's funny because hogarden i used to drink that often in my early beer days and i always thought it was like this really cool imported fancy beer but i didn't i didn't (laughs) know it was just budweiser but anyways michael jackson was critical of it he said rather than having a fruity sourness it it's more of a honey sweetness in Hogarden. So apparently I wasn't drinking a fancy foreign beer after all. I was just drinking a commercialized product. So now he decides to start over and he moves to Texas and starts his brewery there. So he's credited with bringing, not only is he credited with uh, saving Whitbeer, he also helped bring Whitbeer to America. And this action would ultimately, I think, I didn't study this, but I think, he will go on to influence the founder of Allagash by this move. Yeah. yeah. And he will also inspire Coors <laughs> to create Blue Moon. So he simultaneously spawned an amazing craft brewery and introduced Whitbeer to Coors and Anheuser-Busch. 
so the, Cor- the macro drinkers man yeah he's to the macro drinkers very influential so yeah uh so actually blue moon is not popular for a very long time but in the early 2000s its popularity starts to like radically increase and anheuser-busch actually responds and makes it another wit beer called shock top so that's so yep that's how you got blue moon and shock top and then now to get you to tax evasion and start to wrap up my (laughs) my part of the story so the reason they originally used unmalted wheat it wasn't really a stylistic choice at all it was because they didn't have to pay as much taxes on it if they made it with unmalted wheat and then obviously it just became tradition right like once you start making something away and then you would like it. You're not going to stop even if like the tax laws change. Yeah, they never end up being stylistic choices. They end up being like practical choices that like then dictate how that <laughs> beer is made forever. Exactly. They're like practical choices <laughs> that become the style and then they just become the culture of the beer. So this is hilarious, by the way. So it's all I'm going to tie this to the future. So you covered you're going to cover Allagash, but I do want to briefly mention uh, Nest White Ale is brewed by Kuchi Sake. So they have been around since 1823, but they didn't begin brewing beer until 1996. And the funny thing is, they also decided to brew a wit beer to avoid taxes. So here you go, hundreds of years later, in 1996, okay. <laughs> Japan is trying to encourage beer production, and they said if you can make a beer that uses 50% adjuncts, you will not pay as much taxes on it. So they decided to use unmalted yeah. yeah. So they decided to use unmalted barley and unmalted wheat because those don't count; those count as adjuncts. And they start making that Nest White Ale, and you've probably seen it, it has like the owl on it. I've never tried it. I've never tried it, but if I show you the bottle, I think you would recognize it. And so their actually their style is tastes a little bit different. It's like thicker because they're using both of those unmalted uh, grains, and they also spice it with nutmeg and orange juice, which I thought was really interesting. So I really want to get my hands on one of them. It's just so funny. I don't know if you ever saw Battlestar Galactica, but no. Okay, but there's a saying in there that they say all this has happened before and all of this will happen again. And it's just, oh, it, I immediately thought of that when, like, J- Japan first started making beer. They picked a tax avoidance path. We, get, we got that two times in the story. Yeah, exactly. And so they were like, oh, what beer are we going to make? Oh, you don't have to pay taxes if we make a wit beer. Let's do that. So a beer yeah. that was inspired by tax evasion propagate itself into the future in japan under the motivation of tax (laughs) evasion (laughs) that's awesome yes so that is basically the history of the whip beer and i think your story ties in because i believe yes i think uh pierre will inspired allagash because yeah he brought beer to america yeah it's it's like the perfect transition so so rob todd is his name he in 1995 was he was previously working at uh, Otter Creek Brewing in Vermont, and he was he fell in love with Salis White, and he wanted to brew that beer, that same beer. Uh, in 1995, he opened his own brewery in a small warehouse and called it Allagash Brewing Company. It was just him, like it was a brewery and one employee. 
Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> he welded together his own 15 barrel welding system, uh, brew, uh, brew system, and he he brewed one beer. He brewed a Belgian wit and called it Allengash White. Wow. Single one man, brewery, single one, style. One employee. Yeah. Beer. <laughs> yeah. And he, so a couple things with Allengash White. So he brewed it with coriander and curacao orange peel. So curacao oranges, they're also called lahara oranges. These were oranges that were planted in the island of curacao by the Spaniards when they arrived there. And because of the soil and the lack of nutrients in the soil there, the plant kind of changed a little bit and adapted. And the fruit ended up becoming essentially inedible uh, and bitter but the peel was super aromatic. So the peel of the curacao orange is used in uh, curacao liquors and and used for, for beer aromatics and, and flavors. So a lot of really good wit beers use these curacao orange peels in their brew process. So he used coriander and curacao orange peel. He used a, a highly attenuative yeast strain to create like a really crisp, dry finish and that was the beer he he made the beer he loved it was you know slow to catch on like we said it took blue moon a while to catch on with the american public but once it did i think like i was saying earlier that it's a it was a huge entryway for people into craft beer i mean i think blue moon i mean i could almost say blue moon was a entryway for me into craft beer Oh, definitely. Um, like, I think a lot of people, I remember early in my drinking days, I thought Blue Moon was so cool because a lot of people would get it and then you would like get a slice of orange and you squeeze the orange into it. And like, that was fun. Yeah. That's like a fun part of like the yeah. ritual drinking of Blue Moon. And it tasted really good, especially if you put the orange in there. So yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. It's a gateway. Yeah. At the time it seemed like fancy beer, which is kind of crazy, but I think it was in a way. No, I, th- I think it was. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely like, oh, this is a completely different style of beer. So anyway, so it kind of was slow to catch on, but it really started to become popular in America in 1998. That was uh, the first year that Allagash White won an award. They won gold at the World Beer Cup in the Belgian weight category. Uh, just a year later, they brought on a guy named Jason Perkins as head brewer. He went on to really define Allagash uh, and their brewing techniques, almost almost as important as Rob Todd, honestly, at this point. So he came on as head brewer in 2002. Allagash White won gold at the Great American Beer Festival and really started to like put them on the map. In 2004, they started to, uh, Jason Perkins really wanted to like stick more into the wild ale, wild fermented stuff. So in 2004, they created, well, 2005, they went into wild ales. I'll back up a little bit. 2004, they created another Belgian ale called Curio, which means curious in French. It's a Belgian triple. That's uh, we talked about that in the Abbey Ale episode. It's a kind of a higher ABV golden ale, Belgian style. Yeah, Trappist Trappist beer. So they uh, Curial was created. That became a very 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 successful beer for them. 
In 2005, they started to really dabble into the wild ale stuff. They created a beer called Interlude, which has won multiple awards. It's a wild fermented, kind of a mixed mixed, uh, culture fermentation ale. And then, so they that was like sort of their start into the wild fermentation. But in 2007, that was kind of where the huge change came. Rob Todd went on a trip to Belgium. His company to on this trip was almost stupid. Like, <laughs> wait, what do you mean? He went, on, he went on this trip with Sam Galagione from Dogfish Head. Okay. Adam Avery from Avery Brewing. Uh, Tommy Arthur from Lost Abbey Brewing. Vinny Salurzo from Russian River Brewing. Oh, wow. And they took this trip to Belgium together, this group of brewery owners. Could you imagine how fun that would be? Oh, my goodness. I I just want to, I don't even want to be there. I want to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I, I don't even know how those conversations go, but they. <laughs> I want to listen to them. Yeah. yeah, I guarantee you they would be fascinating. So on this trip to Belgium with this like amazing group of people, all these guys were introduced to this cool ship idea and fermenting stuff overnight. And they were unsure whether that could even translate. It could even be done. Those beers would even, they would turn out okay or if it could be done. And some of the Belgian, some of the brewers at the Belgian breweries they visited were like, sure. Yeah, of course you can do it. You know, I mean, if it's if you do it at this time of year with these temperatures at night, yeah, I think it will work. And so he went back to Allagash and they started their cool ship program. They started brewing a beer. They aged for three years, did different mixes, and created a beer called Resurgum, which is a huge line for them. Uh, it's their cool. So they have their cool ship line. Uh, they have a Sergum Red, uh, which is I think is a creek or something like that. Anyway, they have this huge wild ale series now that they brew, that they wild ferment in, in a cool ship overnight. Wait, have they so, done a whip here in a cool ship? Uh, I don't think so. <sighs> they got to do it. They have all the equipment. <laughs> no, they just keep doing their whip beer the way they do. Uh, we got to email them. I want. are not messing with Allagash White, bro. <laughs> I want a traditional Allagash. Uh, no, sorry. I want a traditional Whitbeer done in a cool ship. They can call it like <laughs> Allagash historical, historical or something. I don't know. We'll work out the tagline later, but it needs to be done. Okay. And maybe they have. I don't know. Yeah. That, that could be something we look into. But after that, I mean, 2010 through 2013 was really just a lot of expansion for them. Expansion of their brew space. Expansion of their tap rooms, their bottling and kegging lines, and their brew system. Just all, just a lot of expansion and improvement on all of that. This side story is awesome. In 2004, in Belgium, there was these laws that there was legislation that was going to pass that would essentially make these beers illegal. These uh, like lambics and gooses illegal because of why because of their wild fermentation oh i don't know whether there was like health concerns or something but anyway they were gonna pass legislation that would make wild fermentation beers illegal and so there was this like huge protest 
and basically this like night this like multiple day long protest of people just like gathered at i don't know like parliament building or something like that and they were just all drinking these lambics (laughs) that's a great protest yeah and essentially like they were able to convince the legislators not to move forward with this bill and they like saved lambics that night and so they now have a festival uh, every two years called the night of the great thirst (laughs) okay and it's a lambic festival celebrating that that night that protest where they saved the lambics that's super cool yeah it's really awesome now i like me i want to go to this festival now by the way yeah add that to, add my, it to add the that list to my beer bucket list yeah <laughs> and it's really cool too because you you can't you don't buy like when you're at the beer that beer festival like you you can't like just there's no like tasters or glasses like you just buy bottles so you're just buying bottles of lambics and then you're just like walking around like sharing them with people oh so that's kind of cool like buying bottles sharing with people and you just meet new people and make new friends and uh just by sharing your bottles of lambics so it's really cool i so like anyway, that concept yeah yeah so that was in 2004 and then they did started doing the festival in even years so six eight 2010 2010 they actually invited Allagash to come and bring their Rusurum Cool Ship beers. That was they were the only American brewery in the festival, and they were the only American brewery in the festival for the next like four festivals. I think they they may because I think 2020 was canceled because of the pandemic. So I think they've only they they're the only American brewery that's ever been at this festival. That's I don't pr- know about the 20. That's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know about the 2022, but yeah. Yeah, they they have been exclusively the only American brewery at the Night of the Great Thirst Atlantic Festival. So pretty cool. Pretty awesome like honor for them. And yeah, I really want to go to that festival. <laughs> when it, When is it? What time of year? Uh, it's in August on the, in even years. Yeah. And then actually in Maine now uh, where Allagash is. They have one on the odd years now called the same name, Night of the Great Thirst. Okay. In Portland, Maine. The Alleg- I think, I don't know if it's Allagash organized the event or what, but anyway, they certainly attend. And it's all American breweries doing basically the same thing in the odd year. So it's always August. So in the odd years, it's in Maine. And then the even years are the official ones in Belgium. So. Okay, and that's super cool. Yeah, so even attending the one in Maine, I think would be cool too. A little bit more, a little bit easier too. But there is, there is a way we could get to Belgium. Okay. With with Alan Gash. So in 2011, I believe, uh, Rob Todd, realizing how important his trips to Belgium had been over the years, he decided that every employee at Alan Gash who get who stays for five years on their in their anniversary their fifth year anniversary year they would get to go on this trip called Belagash, which is a trip to belgium Ooh! so they take every employee that's been there for five years on a trip to belgium to all these amazing belgian breweries so you're gonna go work there for five years <laughs> yeah i'm kind of thinking <laughs> that's such that sounds like a really good place to work that's like such a cool commitment to their staff and that would be such a fun trip to go on do you have to be full-time or can you go work on the weekends 
<laughs> don't know the specifics but it's really cool and i guess they have a whole blog on the internet like the belagash blog so every year you see like writings and and videos and images from these uh allagash employees making this trip to belgium yeah just what a cool perk you know like yeah i love that well it's cool too because it's like if you've been there that long you're obviously committed to the company and they're giving you like a tie to the roots of the style yeah and it's just like yeah exactly like it's so such a huge part of what they do at allagash brewing these belgian styles that like you know it's just a great education for anybody who works at the brewery to understand why they do what they do so really cool and and like they win like every year they win best place to work oh really oh yeah that's super cool so they're they've always been very committed to their employees so some of the other things in 2016 uh jason perkins won uh the russell schner award i think i can't remember the last name but it's a brewery award recognizing accomplished brewers so jason perkins won that award in 2016 in 2019 rob todd won the james beard award which is award for outstanding contributions to the world of beer wine and spirits he's only one of three brewers to ever beer brewers to ever win the award so rob todd garrett oliver in 2014 for from uh, brooklyn brewery and Sam Bellagione from Dogfish Head in 2017 won the award. So 2014, 2017, 2019 are the only three beer brewers to ever win the award. Usually a lot of, again, it's a lot of wine and spirits. It's a huge category. <laughs> it's so cool to win like a multi-category thing like that. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is like, so Rob Todd, he actually was a finalist multiple years prior, just didn't win. You know, okay. Or he was a you know, he was a nominee like multiple years, finalist a couple years. Vinny Salurza from Russian River, he's been a finalist, I think, a couple years, but never won. So it's a it's a it's a very cool honor. Uh, but he won that in twenty nineteen. Other than that, like the awards list is ridiculous for Allagash. Specifically Allagash White, but Allagash in general. Allagash White over its history, the Great American Beer Festival is they have they won great american beer festival awards in 98 02 05 2010 2015 2018 2020 and 21 that's allagash white being either gold silver or bronze all of those years which is really impressive for a beer that's been around that long yeah yeah it's a very well regarded and highly lauded example of that style i don't know if the listener like if you're not familiar with these beer awards, like I think the, that level of consistency, even though like, oh, there's years where they didn't medal at all. I just think that the level of consistency to win the award that many times to be, well, usually they win gold, but there were a couple of times where it was silver or bronze, but like that level of consistency over, you know, 25 years of making a certain beer it is really impressive. Absolutely. I, I don't really think, I don't really think you see that very often in any other beer so yeah no i think i i agree the so they won like european beer awards there's a, a, a word called the european star anyway they won that uh they won many world beer cup awards uh, like we talked about last week they won the bronze this year in the world beer cup <laughs> right when but, but, but there, there was, was no but there was not a gold and silver yeah 
So technically, in my book, they won the gold because they were the highest ranked. They were the highest rated, yeah. Yeah. Whip beer in the in the competition, yeah. So anyway, just tons of accolades. They've also had tons of accolades for their triple, their Belgian triple, which won an award at the Great American Beer Festival in 06, 09, 2015, 2016, and then 2021 again. 2021 was a great year for them, actually. They got silver in both with the Whip beer and the. Uh, Belgian Abbey style. They also won Brewery of the Year in their Great American Beer Festival gives out a Brewery of the Year award for breweries in different categories based on size, like production of beer. But in their uh, in their size of brewery, they won Brewery of the Year. So uh, they had a good year this year or this last 2021. Resurgum, the Cool Ship beer, has also won multiple awards at the beer festival. So anyway, just highly decorated brewery and a brewery that's uh again like almost founded on this kind of weird like basic wit beer style that has now also excelled in multiple different styles but all started with the wit beer and all thanks to good old pierre <laughs> who saved it from extinction yeah you know i was kind of sad I, I was staring at a six pack of cellus white today because obviously it's from austin i can get it anytime oh but i just couldn't bring myself to bring to buy a six pack of it yeah that's a lot for the episode tonight i mean i'd feel bad that i couldn't i didn't bring that it's a piece of history it's a piece of history (laughs) well you have to get one see if you can single it out somewhere yeah if i can get it singled out at the grocery store then maybe i'll do that so i don't have to buy a whole six pack but yeah definitely a beer i can get very very easily and an important part of this whole the whole history brought back the style saved the style yep he uh single-handedly <laughs> single-handedly carried on or revived the style it's one of our common elements of deep style deep dives seems to happen in every single one it's really funny so yeah allagash very very cool now did i don't think you mentioned this have you been to the actual brewery no no that really makes me want to go there. Yeah, they're right up in Portland, Maine. So yeah, it'd be quite a trek. Does he? I wonder if he still has that uh, the original thing that he. <laughs> you said he created his by hand. Oh, that he like welded. welded yeah, his. Together. Yeah, I wonder if that's still there as like a historical piece of the company. Maybe I know they moved into like a bigger brew space, but like just next door. So it's possible that they just like kept that smaller area just as a like, you know, kind of a museum to the beginning of Alley Ash. Yeah, it might be gone, but that would be cool if they had kept kept it or kept some sort of, you know, record of it. Yeah, it said he welded together. Yeah, most likely it's gone. Yeah. 15 barrel brewer system and jackhammer drains into the floor. Amazing. Which is kind of weird because it's like a rented space, so. Yeah, maybe don't jackhammer into the floor. Come on. Come on, Rob. Yeah. Not is that being, legal? You're not being a good tenant. <laughs> no. Jackhammering into the floor does not sound like a good tenant. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it would be allowed in the terms of the lease. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's really awesome. Okay, well, do we have anything else to say about Allagash and or Whitbeer? No, but next time you see the the wit beer in the store pick it up i know as always well luckily we both had one today otherwise this episode would have made me want to drink one really 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 bad but yeah as always happens i feel like i have I would, a new I would, yeah new appreciation 
appreciation for the style. Yes. But yeah, if you see that Avery one, pick it up. Anything from Avery, because that was really good. The Island Rascal was fantastic. Oh, definitely. I'll have my eye out for that Island Rascal. That sounds so good. And just drinking, even just drinking this optimal wood, I was thinking about a passion fruit flavor. And it just seems like it goes like so naturally into the whole flavor profile. Yeah, no, it's perfect. And I really, really like this. It's actually almost becoming my favorite of these three is this one from Belgium, the Brussels White. It's really good. It's almost, and maybe I like it because it's just a tinge sweeter. Mm, okay. But it's very, very good. The Boulevard, just avoid at all costs. Okay, no Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. I, I almost like, in a way, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this like side by side by side tasting. Are they even going to taste different, right? Like, what am I... It's just one of those styles that seems like you're just going to get orange, coriander, and a little bit of wheat, you know? Like, (laughs) it doesn't seem like there's enough... There's going to be a wide range of tastes in the beer, but that's actually one of the benefits of side-by-side tastings is you realize, like, oh, there's things about this one I like more than this one, and there's infinite possibilities in how they balance and how you perceive the tastes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Even if they only have like five or six dials, you can still turn them one way or another and get really interesting and somewhat unique outcomes. Tons of yeast possibilities you can use. There's so many things. There is something I wanted to add that I forgot to cover in the history you just reminded me of. So it's funny because the style has gotten so popular on a global level, but it's actually not very popular anymore in its original place apparently there's only a few breweries there that still make it and yeah it's just it kind of spread to the world and people love it but not as popular as from where it came which is kind of funny kind of tragic in a way too yeah just just uh brasserie de left live they're the only ones making (laughs) yeah but everyone else in the world is making it including Coors and budweiser (laughs) and japan and japan yeah it's kind of crazy it's kind of a cool story. Yeah, it is very interesting. Yeah, I did read that too. It's not, it's not a not a popular Belgian style in Belgium. Yeah, but it's it's its future is safely secured when you're being made for by sure. like the two biggest macro companies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. It's not going away. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, should we call that an episode? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this has been episode 62 this is attenuation a beer podcast you can reach out to us on instagram at attenuation.podcast and you can also reach us up by email at contact at attenuation at gmail.com like i said this is episode 62 and my name is jason and i'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade steven that is me all right we are saying cheers and <laughs> we will see you next week for episode 63 <laughs> all right cheers buddy Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation of Your Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers!